Welcome to A Wild New Work, Ecological Guidance for Your Career. This podcast is about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life, and it's all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm your host, Megan Leatherman. Hi, friends. Welcome to episode 23 of this podcast. Um, Here we are. It's mid-autumn. It's nearing the end of October now as I record this. Uh, wherever you are, you may be noticing there are more and more leaves on the ground. The trees are, most of the ones that I see are in full transition uh, with their oranges and yellows and reds. There are uh, more days that are windy, you know, getting those leaves off of the trees onto the ground. There's greater darkness, uh, more rain here in the Pacific Northwest. So we are fully in the season of autumn and transitioning toward winter and I hope you are um, enjoying it in whatever way makes sense to you or if you're not um, taking good care and and doing what you can. We're also approaching Scorpio season. Um, As I record this you know we're still in Libra but uh, Scorpio starts on October 23rd which I'll talk more about and we're also nearing a lot of uh, holidays that mark the end of the harvest and the beginning of nature's death cycle essentially. Um, We're approaching Samhain which I'll talk about, Halloween, uh, Dia de los Muertos, All Souls Day. Um, There's many occasions here and uh, many different cultures mark this time of year as important and special so I'll share more about uh, some of those as well. Today I'm mostly going to talk about something that's not usually associated with career development which is awe, A-W-E, awe, mystery, the unexplainable, those experiences where time slows down and we transcend our usual day-to-day reality. And this may not seem related to what you do day in and day out for work, but it is. And I'm really excited to share with you how awe can support you in your career and in your life. Um, So I'm glad you're here. I just have one little announcement today, which is that um, I'm co-hosting a harvest celebration with my friend Megan, who runs a wild new school with me. We are hosting a harvest celebration on Tuesday, November 5th at 530 in Portland. And we would love to have you. This will be an evening with um, seasonal food. We'll do some wild crafting. We will share our insights and what we're seeing about mid-autumn and how to work with the rest of this season and really um, tap into the invitations of release and surrender and working with the sort of prominent death energy around us um, through Scorpio season. So there will be some learning and some community and some just fun and enjoyment of the season. Um, We'll be at an old historic house in inner Southwest Portland near the waterfront. So pretty easy to get to for most folks. It's $40 and you can read more at the link in the show notes or of course at a wildnewwork.com. So I would love to meet some of you and have you join us. Um, it will be a, um, a smaller gathering. There aren't many tickets. So I encourage you if you would like to come, um, to register and we'd love to see you there. Of course, if you can't make the Harvest Celebration or you're not in Portland, there are lots of other ways to get 
real nature-based deep support for you and your career this season. Um, on the website, you will also find career-centered tarot readings, mentorship. Um, we have the online shop with some resources for you as well. So uh, check it out and get what you need. So with that, why don't we start with our opening invocation? So go ahead and settle in, take a deep breath wherever you are. Take another deep inhale through your nose and exhale through your mouth, just really letting go of anything you're carrying with you today that is ready to be released. I read somewhere, I can't remember where, but I read that autumn is the season of the exhale. <laughs> and I really like that. And I, I've been kind of meditating on how good it feels to let out a big sigh of relief or just surrender. And um, I hope that is available to you as well. It's always available. We all exhale, right? So let me read this invocation to you as you sort of settle in and get heavy in your body and become present in this moment. May this episode and each of us that are listening to it be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Chinook people, who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. And of course, I'm grateful to this earth, which, despite being overburdened and in crisis, still supports us and provides for all of our needs. All right, well, let's get a little bit oriented to where we are. And if you're listening to this later when it's not mid-autumn, that is totally fine. Um, I think these lessons apply throughout the year, but I always like to start with a little um, kind of orientation to this time of year and the season that we're in. So we're coming into mid-autumn now, the height of autumn, and we are approaching what's called Samhain which is an ancient pagan holiday, mostly practiced by Celtic peoples. Um, and it's sort of become or like tailed off into what people now celebrate as Halloween, but they're not actually the same thing. Um, and I'm going to talk about Samhain because it's what I know and it's, um, you know, it's a nature-based holiday and it's been practiced by people from my ancestry for many, many years. Um, so I'll share it because it's what I know, but I do just want to honor the fact that there are many, many important cultural holidays this time of year. And I encourage you to look into what your ancestors may have used or how they may have celebrated this kind of end of summer, end of harvest season. And if your ancestors are from the Southern Hemisphere, then you would be looking at how they were marking the beginning of spring and the beginning of the growing season, um, which of course is different if your ancestors are more from the equator where things are rich and lush all year round. So I just want to empower you and encourage you to make this season rich with your own heritage and whatever really resonates with you. Um, but because you're here with me, I'll talk about Samhain. Um, so Samhain was and is a festival of the dead, essentially. Um, it marked the end of summer and the end of harvest when nature began its coldest, darkest time of year. Um, it's often called the witch's new year because of that sort of threshold that we cross in the beginning into the coldest half of the year. You know, a lot of people talk about how at this time of year when we're crossing into 
something new where the growing season is really ending and we're transitioning closer and closer to winter. They talk about how thin the veil is between our world as we know it and the spirit realm and how at this time of year um, we can really get close or feel close to our loved ones who have passed away, um, to our ancestors who have gone before us, to um, whatever spiritual entities we connect with. Um, It's really a rich time of um, mystery and closeness where things may not always be what they seem. And Samhain helps us mark that and and work with that. So I'll talk a little bit more about how you might want to work with that holiday in a moment. But just to continue our journey of getting oriented, um, on October 23rd, we'll move, the sun will move from the sign of Libra into Scorpio. Um, and Scorpio is, of course, one of three water signs in the zodiac. And the other two are Cancer and Pisces. And they're all water signs, but you can think of them as very different types of water, right? Pisces, which is kind of in February, early March, you might think of as sort of a vast still, not always still, but just a huge, vast ocean that goes on and on for as far as you can see. Um, And in cancer season, which is around, you know, late June, early July, you may think of it as sort of a swollen river that's, you know, the, the glacial ice is melting for the summer and the river is full and flowing. And for Scorpio, I think of it as this sort of misty, very still, deep lake where the water is kind of dark um, and there's this like fog over it where it's a little bit, um, you can't see quite clearly. I think that, I think that is the type of water that most represents sort of the energy and invitation of Scorpio. Um, The symbol for Scorpio is the scorpion. And I think of this energy as really about asking the essential questions and looking for the in the information or the secrets or the insight that is hidden that's not immediately knowable under the surface um, it's something that we have to sort of investigate and look into so if in Libra season we've been assessing the harvest and celebrating the harvest in Scorpio season we go deeper and we look at our relationship to death and dying literally and metaphorically so for our purposes here we're looking at death in our work lives right? The end of things. I keep hearing from people who have, who are leaving jobs and getting new jobs, who are um, in serious periods of transition, whether through their marriage or through their, what they do day to day for work or moving homes, right? There's this kind of energy of things ending. Um, I think it's also about the sort of slowing down of rapid growth. So if you have been really busy at work, This is something I'll talk about more as winter approaches, but I would encourage you to begin thinking about how you can kind of start to slow down a little bit and think about how you might want to winterize your career. Um, And I know that's not possible for many people who are sort of in this productivity burnout cycle where you're expected to just produce and be busy all throughout the year. Um, But soon I'll be talking about ways that you can tap into this kind of slowing down no matter what your work looks like. Um, So all of this is just the necessary work that has to happen before rebirth comes and before new life comes. It's a really rich time 
that requires us to be courageous as we look at what truly needs to go and let it go um, and not hold on to things that just have have run their course. So with that, I'll talk a little bit about Samhain and Halloween, which are coming up on October 31st. I don't think they're always on the same day, but this year they are both on the 31st. So like many pagan traditions, Samhain's themes have become kind of wrapped up into Halloween, which um, is actually sort of a sanitized version of Samhain, but I also understand the desire to just kind of be lighthearted and have fun with this time of year. Um, of course, All Saints Day or All Souls Day and Dia de los Muertos are also right around this time. Um, and so again, I just encourage you to learn more about what your ancestors may have done to mark this period. But what I think is missing in Halloween essentially is really the somber and necessary work of passing through this time and looking at cycles of death and rebirth. I think it's, you know, fine to just have fun and dress up and go trick-or-treating, but we need Samhain as well. We need the the hard, really respectful kind of sacred look at things, and we need the fun and lightheartedness. I'm always fascinated this time of year by all of the kind of hoopla around horror films and things that are scary, you know, haunted houses, all of that. And I sort of think of it as mass culture or this sort of popular attempt to trigger feelings that we're missing because we don't really know how to process loss or embrace mystery. So we look to things with the sort of shock value to make us feel something because many of us were not taught to deal with our emotions in um, a healthy sort of consistent way way. So that's not to throw shade at people who like scary movies. I have always hated scary movies. Um, I know that they have a a place and um, are an art form in and of themselves, but I do think it's interesting that we, um, many of us are trying to live out what we feel like is unavailable to us through film or TV or by sort of propping up celebrities or other people um, because we don't feel like we have access to the feelings or emotions or deep living that we see on the screen. Um, So that's just something I've been thinking about this time of year as Halloween approaches. Like I said earlier, the, the veil between death and life are so close together at this time of year. Even if you just think about what's happening with the trees, you know, the trees are still alive, but they have all of these leaves that are dying on their branches that they need to cut off and release before winter comes. So death and life are present. They're always very close together. You never have a death without a rebirth of some kind. Um, And this time of year, we see that everywhere we look. And many people find that connecting with loved ones who have died or doing ancestor work is much easier this time of year, or it's more fluid and accessible. And so I encourage you, whatever your traditions or however you want to mark this time of year, um, there are many things that you can do to kind of take the invitation or accept the invitation to observe this very important somber threshold that we're crossing and look at um, death and dying and where you're letting go and where you're surrendering in your life. 
So um, I, in the past, I've had a dinner where friends and I will make meals from our heritage, um, where we get to celebrate our ancestry and share that with one another. We set a plate and a place setting for the ancestors and kind of create this little altar around it to honor them. Um, you can create an altar just on its own to your ancestors, known and unknown, and whether they are related to you by blood or not. Um, you can create an altar to those who have gone before you and use that as kind of a physical reminder to you throughout this mid-autumn season. Um, you can also just get outside and spend some time noticing the death around you in the natural world, um, which plants are... Um, have stopped growing or are literally, you know, dead or have gone away for the year um, and just noticing what's happening in the world around you and where, what that might reflect back to you about your own life. So those are some thoughts about how to work with the holidays of this time, especially Samhain, if that uh, resonates with you. I think one of the most important opportunities or invitations of this time of year is to tap into this sense of mystery or awe. Um, I was at the park a couple of weeks ago with my daughter Wyatt and it was late in the day. I can't remember why we were there so late, but um, it was a really unusually cold, dark, windy evening, almost evening. It was right around dusk and we get there and I just wanted to give her like half an hour outside before dinner in bed. And, um, there was no one there, of course, cause it was like not a very nice day to be at the park. And it was, it's my favorite kind of weather, that weather where it's sort of a little bit scary, stormy dusk. There's just this like edge in the air where it feels a little bit dangerous and like there's something coming. Um, I really love that. And that was exactly what this day was like at the park. And to amplify that feeling, I looked across the way and there were all of these pink and white roses laid out on a bench um, across the the little field and we walked over there and it was a bench that had just been dedicated um, to mark someone's death a year prior. Um, and I think when you are surrounded by weather like that, when the climate um, is sort of edgy and then you have this stark representation that life is precious and short and fragile, it really makes me feel alive and awake, and I think that's true for many people. The beauty of working with death and looking at it and even allowing it to be close to you in your life is that it reminds you how precious and sacred this present moment is, and it helps us remember and put things into perspective and, and not forget that every moment we have is truly a gift and it's not to be taken for granted. Of course, we all have larger examples of times when we felt this sense of awe or mystery. For me, I can think of, you know, giving birth the first time and meeting my little girl, getting caught in this really scary lightning storm in the Rocky Mountains, visiting holy sites in Old Jerusalem or Al-Quds. Um, so there are these periods that I'm sure you can recall in your own life that where we really get out of ourselves and um, something deeper is going on. And I want to talk, I'll share more about what that might be. 
I learned a lot about this concept of awe and how it relates to nature in a book called The Nature Fix by Florence Williams, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. She shared that the word awe derives from the Old English and Norse words for the fear and dread one felt before a divine being. So there's this texture of sublimity, right? It's it's often um, in situations that feel a little bit scary or a little bit life-threatening even. Not always, um, but sometimes. And awe is considered by many psychologists to be a core positive emotion. It's actually really important, just like, you know, love and happiness and joy and these other things that we need in order to feel like our lives are meaningful. And again, sometimes it's inspired by happy, benign things like a really beautiful sunset or um, a nature setting that is just really incredible to you. And other times it's inspired by these scary events like witnessing a hurricane or a tornado or something that just reminded you that you were not invincible, you were not immortal. Um, And uh, she shared this quote in the book, according to Edmund Burke, who was a writer, I think in the early 20th, 19th century, I don't know. (laughs) According to Edmund Burke, for something to be truly awe-inspiring, it must possess a vastness of extent, as well as a degree of difficulty in our ability to make sense of it. So we're not talking about things that we see and know in our day-to-day lives. We're talking about things that are special and unique that our brain has to make sense of. Your body actually quiets down in the face of awe because the experience is information rich. That's what makes it awesome or awe-inspiring. Your body, your brain has to take in something that feels unfamiliar or new or complex or mysterious, and that makes it feel like time is truly slowing down. And this was found in a study by Melanie Rudd. She found that awe caused participants to feel less time pressure, to feel more patient, um, to actually feel and be more helpful to their peers after they had this experience. And multiple studies have found that awe sort of gets us out of our own self-focus and turns us out into the interests or needs of our collective groups. It It's something like if you imagine, you know, seeing a scary storm or being um, in a natural environment that feels a little bit dangerous, Um, it does cause you to reach out and sort of reinforce those social ties, um, which studies also found, you know, lower inflammation and stress. So awe is actually truly good for us. It's good for our bodies and our spirits. And it's a necessary part of feeling whole, I think, and integrated and like our life has meaning. If you take a second to conjure up an awe-inspiring memory that you have some a time or an experience you had where you truly felt awe, this kind of unexplainable wonder. Notice how you felt in your body during that experience and see if you can actually tr- trigger those feelings now as you remember it. The way you felt then is probably pretty different from how you feel most days at work. <laughs> I could just venture to guess that that may be true. Awe is special because it's not an all-the-time thing. That's what makes it awe. It's unusual. It's out of our control. It's something that reminds us of our place in the world. 
And that's great. It doesn't need to be an all the time thing. I don't think most of us are meant to be on this earth sort of transcendent all of the time. But for workers in the West, those of us who have a professional life, there is a serious deficit of awe for those who those of us who aren't regularly in wild places or practicing other forms of transcendence. And I do want to just acknowledge that awe is higher up on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, I could be wrong about this, but I don't I don't think the need for awe or mystery really comes before basic survival needs like shelter, food, water, etc. But if you are listening to this, then more than likely those needs are met, even though in our culture it may feel like we never have enough or we're just on the edge or the brink of not being able to meet our needs. But truly, many of us have much more than our ancestors or even others on this planet right now could ever dream of. So we are in a position to receive kind of the next layers of that triangle, um, that next level of positive experience like love and connection and transcendence or awe or mystery. Albert Einstein wrote, the most beautiful emotion we can experience is the mysterious. How many of us include mystery as a core component of our lives? I don't really. And when I don't, or I don't have those experiences that sort of get me outside of myself, I see the effects of it. I start to feel like nothing is really new or interesting. I wonder what the point of all of this is. Um, I often begin to feel uninspired and isolated, and I sort of close in and am only interested in my own needs or my own experience. And work is one of the central areas where there is a lack of mystery. In fact, mystery or a, a lack of understanding and knowledge is really antithetical to most of our job descriptions, right? When was the last time, if ever, that you felt deeply in awe or truly curious at work? I hope you have felt that before, um, but it may not be a very common or regular thing. If you consider the fast-paced, busy nature of our work lives and contrast that with the way things slow down when you've been in awe of something, you'll see the difference. And again, it's not about always being in this state of awe. We can't sustain that, and I I think that's fine and appropriate. Um, But we need a balance of both, right? We do hunger for this sense of mystery and this sense of something more, and we need that in order to maintain our well-being. Awe helps us put things into proper perspective, which is really missing in a lot of workplaces, right? You may feel... Many people feel extremely uh, busy or overwhelmed or like they are dealing with a lot of urgent things in their work, but are they really important things, right? A lot of us get wrapped up into these work cultures where um, our bodies are pumping cortisol all day because we're in this environment that says that every need, every email, every project is of the utmost importance. It's critical. It's urgent. Um, And the truth is that much of it isn't. Um, That's not to say your work isn't valuable or isn't wonderful, but the pace at which people are going is is 
is a little bit silly, honestly, compared to the pace at which the natural world moves. And uh, I know that we are a very productive culture, um, but I think that paradigm has run its course and that it's time for each of us to look at how to incorporate a different way of looking at things. And one of those changes we can make is to incorporate more stillness and more space for mystery and curiosity in our work lives, no matter what we do. Because when we incorporate more awe, more mystery, we are happier, we're more balanced, we're more generous and connected to other people. There have been multiple studies that have demonstrated this. Um, And we know, when we know that something bigger is in place, that we are part of this web of life, we have a healthier perspective. And so we need this transcendence. We need this sense of connect, being connected to something bigger. Sometimes we need that every day or multiple times a day, and sometimes we need it less often. But I think it, I know it is a requirement of being a healthy person to have this balance of um, something deeper, being connected to something deeper. I think work feels empty for so many people because the tentacles of productivity and analysis sort of seeps into every area of their lives. You know, for most working people today, there's not a lot of wondering or open-ended questioning or creativity at work. It's often about finding the answer, managing these, you know, quote-unquote, urgent or important fires, doing as much as possible all, you know, all day, all throughout the year. And all of this is happening usually in an office environment that lacks bright natural light, doesn't have a lot of fresh air. There aren't a lot of plants and there isn't a lot of quiet. So what that does to our systems is really detrimental to our health long-term. So one of the antidotes to that is to trigger more awe, more mystery, and connect with something deeper in and outside of work. Um, So I want to share some ways that you may consider doing that this time of year. You can always start small with anything. Um, You just start where you are, and that's perfect. And I would encourage each of us to begin by just trying to remember to be a little more aware and a little more curious throughout our days. Um, It's hard to feel awe or be available to it when you think you know everything and you know exactly how everything works and everything is the same and you have nothing new to experience, right? So if we can each sort of take an orientation of openness and open awareness this time of year, we will certainly be served. Um, One place to start that's really easy is through um, a process of enchantment. Um, And this is a concept I learned through one of my teachers, Alison Carr. Um, And she talks about using enchantment as a way of really appreciating and experiencing wonder at our day-to-day experiences or gifts or the things that we use. So wherever you are, you can begin this process. It just looks like um, being curious about where the things around you came from or how things got to where they are. So like I have this um, mug of tea with me right now, and it really is incredible if you just stop and think about it. It's incredible that I have this ceramic mug. I don't know where 
the clay came from. I don't know who made it. Um, I think it was mass produced, which is unfortunate, but the ceramic, the clay still came from somewhere in the earth and someone had to um, pull it out of the earth. There are thousands of people that have touched this mug making process at some point, right? Um, All of the resources and energy that went into making this simple mug that now I get to drink tea out of. It really is incredible. And you can do this with anything, right? If you're driving in a car, like just imagine all of the earth's resources that have gone into it, into that, the human resources, the cost, um, just the incredible work and sacrifice that has been made to Um, allow you to get around in a car that um, is functional and and comfortable to you. Um, If you are out in the natural world, you know, consider how much energy it took for the plants around you to grow, how incredible it is that some of them came from, you know, thousands or millions of miles away um, that aren't even from here originally. So you could just begin by looking around you and kind of taking this lens of, being enchanted, being sort of in wonderment about the world around you. I found that that's a really accessible way to trigger um, greater feelings of um, curiosity and mystery. Um, One of the studies that I read about in this book, The Nature Fix, showed that even small videos of nature or awe-inspiring things can trigger um, that emotion in you and really change your body's chemistry. So if you're on a break at work, you know, instead of scrolling through social media, maybe you watch a quick video of um, whales (laughs) swimming or singing or... um, babies being born or whatever it is that really inspires you and triggers that sense of awe and wonder that makes you feel like, wow, that is something incredible. Outside of work, you know, you could watch longer documentaries about something that's inspiring to you. Um, I love BBC's Planet Earth 1 and 2. Um, I think the shots are just incredible and it always makes me feel connected and in wonderment about the world around us. Um, If you don't have a spiritual practice already, um, I encourage you to begin to nurture one. If you have one, um, then I encourage you to, you know, return to it if it's been a while or to just nourish it and, and stay committed to it in some way. That could be, you know, a morning meditation, going to yoga class, going to church, whatever brings you to that wide open place of connectedness, like where you're tapping into something bigger than yourself. This is so good for your brain. It's so um, necessary and unusual in our culture today, but we need it. Our bodies need it. And it will absolutely be good for the way that you show up to your work. Um, Other ideas for triggering awe this time of year are, of course, to get outside You know, if you can get out for a long walk by yourself that's more meditative or, you know, sit in one spot in nature for a while and just notice or, you know, trigger that feeling of connectedness, that is wonderful. If you, you know, 
aren't able to do that throughout your workday, um, just get outside of the office. Just step outside and see how many wild things you can find or look out the window and see, you know, how many birds do you notice, the trees, the bugs, and watch them and just appreciate them and sort of take that lens of enchantment and wonder at their lives and how they continue to survive and how resilient they are. Um, one, uh, one last way is to put yourself into new situations in and outside of work. When you do this with an open mind and sort of expose yourself to new things or new ways of doing things, a sense of mystery can fill you because you begin to see that you, um, you don't know all these things and you are available to learn new things. And it's so rich and nourishing for your brain. So however you want to do this or work with this invitation this time of year, I encourage you to just consider where the concept of mystery fits into your life and how you could be exposed to more of that. For me, it really is tied in with the natural world. That's where I feel the most awe. Um, I think that's common because it's how we evolved. Um, but you do whatever is inspiring and awesome to you. And if you have an adverse reaction to mystery, if you really get bothered by um, things that are unknowable or uh, unseen or complex or just difficult to understand, I would encourage you to get curious about that reaction as well. Um, Maybe that sort of resistance to mystery or not knowing is an area of your tree that needs to drop its leaves this fall, right? So that you can open up to really a deeper sense of being alive. So I encourage each of us this time of year to embrace the not knowing, embrace the mystery, embrace the wonder of things that um, are out of our control, really. Because the truth is that there is a deeper current of mystery and spiritual wisdom that flows underneath our modern lives. And I think many of us forget that. We sort of begin to get into these cycles where we think that everything we see around us is all that there is, which just isn't true. And in the autumn, we often feel closer to those realms that um, are mysterious or that aren't seen. And so by incorporating mystery and awe into our work days in whatever small or big ways that we can, we nourish ourselves and we became, we become more capable of really wonderful, meaningful work, no matter what our job is or even how we feel about it. The way we show up to it just changes. So I hope you will mark Samhain or Dia de los Muertos or Halloween in some meaningful way to you. Um, And if the holidays don't resonate, that you begin to incorporate more mystery or embrace the mystery around you this time of year. I'm so grateful for the mystery of connecting with you. So many people I don't know personally, but I'm so honored to share space with and get to connect with um, across the ether. That is truly Uh, a miracle and I'm so grateful for it. If this episode felt helpful to you, I would love it if you supported the podcast, whether by sharing with a friend, rating it, subscribing, or you can also give $5 a month on Patreon and become a member there and help support this work in its um, growth and its um, offerings to the world. 
happy Scorpio season. Um, I will be back with you in two weeks with another episode. Uh, I don't know what it's about, but I will be in the mystery of that and, uh, and come back with you um, in a couple of weeks. So until then, take really good care. Bye.